Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. I'm excited to be here with you this morning. We're starting a whole new series today uh, called Church Hangups and Hookups. And usually, as a youth pastor, I don't like to talk about hookups at all in church. I mean, it's like terrible, right? Um, but uh, we're starting this series because uh, this is this is really about all of those things that some people, they have those hangups about church, and uh, we want to address uh, some of those things. And and uh, so we're going to be looking through the, the book of Ephesians and, and, and really pressing into to uh, some of those things that we, the expectations that we have as a church, things that are biblical and not biblical, and, and they often let us down uh, because of the people that we're around here in church. And, and so um, we want to talk about uh, some of those things. And I want to start off, first of all, uh, by commending you, church. Quest, you are phenomenal. And some of the things that we're going to talk about aren't necessarily going on here. This is more of a, an opportunity for us to say, hey, let's make sure we avoid these things. Let's be doing what God is calling us to and living out church the way it's supposed to be. So I want to I start there. Uh, but I also recognize that there are people here who may struggle with some of these things. And uh, as we go throughout this series, there may be some stuff that we address or that we don't address. And you want to talk about it some more. I would encourage you to email me or email Ross so that we can um, start to talk about some of that stuff from the pulpit. So uh, please feel free to, um, to, to just dialogue with us in that way. Now, I grew up in a very uh, different time. My, my picture of the church was pretty broken. And um, I, in fact, it was so broken that I vowed that I would never work for the church. <laughs> um, I, it, truth, truthfully, I, I was done with it, and, and I felt like the only way that the gospel could really go out um, had to be through people who were not connected to the church because the church was so messed up in my mind. The, the problem with my paradigm for salvation was that I was creating it in a way that was not grounded in Scripture at all. Anyway, um, some of that stuff is a story for another day, uh, but I do believe that there are a lot of people who, who really um, have issues with Jesus, and they believe that they can have faith in Jesus, that is, following him without participating in the church. And I have to be really honest with you. I believe that is impossible. The church, the body of believers, is an integral part to our faith journey with Jesus. And I think... Our greatest issue that we have in regards to any hang-up that we have about church is really about relationships. And of course, we are a church that is uh, about relationships above differences. So for us, the question becomes, how do we relate in, an, in, in other ways that are healthy? How, how do we deal with these kinds of issues? When I, when I listen to people talk about uh, why they don't want to be a part of the church, it's usually because of some way that they were treated, you know, some kind of a spiritual abuse or they were left out or, or they felt demeaned or judged or manipulated. And, and, and then, you know, there's all these things like church splits, so leader changes, uh, the vision is different, the sermons aren't as good as they used to, they're not teaching the kind kinds of things that we want to teach and, and, um, they ask for money all the time. Uh, the people there, you know, they're not like me. And so I don't feel like I fit in. Um, they focus on the wrong kinds of people. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why there are divisions within the church. And it didn't take long for me in my faith journey one year before I was deeply wounded by my church experience one year. 
And then almost right after that, when I went to another church, I was wounded again, and then another church, wounded again, and another, and another, until one day I said, I'm done with it all. I couldn't see how this system, this paradigm of church, really worked in benefiting the kingdom. And guess what? I mean, this isn't just a 21st century problem. It goes way back to the first church. The book that we're going to look at, Ephesians, it's, it's one of the letters that Paul wrote to address the issues within the church. And we have an entire New Testament full of other letters that deal with church issues. Uh, but for this series, we're going to focus on Ephesians. And today, we're going to start in uh, chapter 2. We're going to read verses 11 through 22. The words are going to be on the screen, so you can follow along with me. Uh, Ephesians 2, uh, verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at the time you were separate, separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of of hostility by setting aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, this passage that I just read starts with a fancy conjunction, therefore. And um, when I was uh, uh, in Bible school, some of the classes, I had a Bible teacher that always said, if you ever read a therefore in Scripture, make sure you understand what it's there for. Clever, huh? And um, so I want to address this real quickly. Paul begins with therefore because he wants us to look back to what he had just said previously, where he calls the people of the church, the, the followers of Jesus, God's handiwork. They're God's handiwork because of who Christ Jesus is and what he did. Now, this is important when we get into what Paul really says here in the bulk of of Ephesians 2. Have you ever felt uh, like you were on the outside, like you didn't belong? Like when you walked into a place, you looked around, and you you just felt like you were in the wrong place, like you're listening to the words that are being spoken, and you're like, I don't understand that language, I don't know the jokes, everything is uh, funky for me. 
Um, in my job as a youth pastor, I often will go into high schools. And let me tell you, uh, that is one of the most awkward places for an adult male to go. I look at, um, you know, like the people looking at me, they're just peering deep into my soul, saying to me with no words, you don't belong here. You've got no business being here. And, and I don't understand the words that they're saying. I don't know the jokes that they have. And I surely don't get the music that they're listening to because it's not good. Um, but nonetheless... You know, I, I, I'm just sitting there. I just feel like I'm on the outside. But then, of course, deep down inside of me, I have this security because I know that I am in Christ. He is my identity. And, um, but I see, I notice that, that people feel this way all the time. You know, at, at work or traveling or trying out something new, going to the gym. Uh, uh, often we find ourselves insecure, wondering where we fit in. And the problem is, is that the church is no different. In fact, it may be one of the worst places for us to experience this. Paul is describing what could be one of the most compelling arguments here in Ephesians 2 for people to participate in the church, though. This is interesting. See, there's this group of people who identify themselves as God's chosen. They were the Jews, known as the circumcision. And now the story of God is changing, and the people who are a part of God's family is expanding. And there shouldn't be a problem. In fact, from the beginning of time, from when God chose this group of people, the Jews, he really called them out to be an example to everyone else. But of course, there is this problem that's going on. Because the Jews, uh, because of their status with God, they started to elevate themselves and they created rules to keep themselves separate from those who were on the outside, separated with hostility. Let me read this again. This is verse 14. For he himself, that is Jesus, is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Now, before we get too much deeper into this, I want to make a quick disclaimer. Um, a lot of what I'm about to say really does come from some other folks, and I want to give them credit. Tim Keller uh, preaches a wonderful message about Ephesians 2. N.T. Wright has some awesome books. And then Ben Witherington, who's one of my seminary professors, um, spoke a lot into this. So none of this is new to me. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't want to claim it. Um, it's great. It's wonderful. It's good. But I need to give them credit um, so I'm not just ripping everything off. So we've got these two groups that are divided, and they are hostile toward one another. And the division that they have, it comes from what? Well, it's, it's from the law and its commands and regulations. See, that is the Mosaic law that was given to the Hebrew people to show them how to live in relationship with God. And here's, here's the issue, though. The Hebrew people were never supposed to keep the law to themselves. They were called to be a light to the world. The law was given to the Hebrew people for them to model righteous living so the rest of the world could emulate them and live lives with God. That was the purpose, but that didn't happen. They took the law and they made it into something that set them apart from everyone else. They became arrogant and they looked down their noses at the people who were not like them. And for centuries, 
this separation existed. The law that was designed actually to show them how humble they were supposed to be. And now all of a sudden, as the church is gathering together in the name of Jesus in Ephesians 2, Jews find themselves in the same places as Gentiles. They're the very people that they wanted to be divided against because they didn't have, the Gentiles didn't have a law that helped them to be righteous. And the Gentiles too despised the Jews for the hatred that they experienced. But isn't this kind of behavior really all too common in the church? You know, we know the context for this passage is really race, but uh, the issue here is far bigger than just racism. We, we, we still face these kinds of things in our faith communities today. Think about it. When God gives us a gift, a talent, a blessing, I mean, it's a great thing, and we start to elevate it. And sometimes we can become proud of having that blessing, and we begin to look down on the other people who don't share that same blessing. This happens so often, right? Just think about all the different ways that we create divisions within the church. Some churches are Protestant, others are Catholic, some are community ch- uh, churches, and others are d- denominational. Some churches are mega churches, and other, fam- or other churches are family churches. Some are charismatic, and some are dogmatic. Um, there's all these differentiations that are endless. Even within congregations, one body we differentiate. We have young churches, and college-age churches, and older churches, and traditional churches, and contemporary churches, and it just goes on. Now, for the sake of today, I'm going to use my own examples because I don't want to necessarily offend anyone. Although, if you feel offended, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. Just kidding. Um, I'm sure, though, that anyone who's been attending church for any amount of time has felt some of the same emotions that I'm about to express. One of the churches that I uh, was a part of early on was was older. It was it was an older congregation, a little bit grayer than what I was used to, and, and I felt left out some of the time because there wasn't really like a small group that I could fit into um, with people my own age, and the style of music, the worship, wasn't what I was used to growing up. And I felt alone, and it was very easy for me to create these scenarios in my head in which I moralized what I was thinking and feeling. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the church, it doesn't reach out to young people, and they aren't culturally relevant like they should be. If only they were more like my old church, then, then they could experience more blessing from God. They just don't get it. This is, seriously, this is the kind of stuff that I was saying to, my said, uh, to myself. And, and um, then there was another time I was serving in a church that was focused on evangelism. <laughs> it's a great thing. But I got into my mind that it wasn't, there wasn't enough discipleship. Um, I'm not getting fed the way I need to be at church, you know. So I moralized that issue. In the end, the things that I was thinking, they only created division for the church. It was infighting and it led to difficulty and ultimately just bad rumors. And the funny thing is that every church that I've been a part of, with the exception of one that I grew up in, my first church, has never been a perfect fit for me. And I'm not sure it's supposed to be, right? There's always something that I can point out that is deficient. And ultimately, uh, what I do is I just use my past experience, that first perfect church, to establish this condescending viewpoint. And I use my gifts from God to assert how I'm closer to God than the other people around me. 
And Paul, in this passage, is calling the church to a much different standard. He's saying that every person has access to God and that no one is above another. This is what it means, what Paul is saying in contemporary terms. He's saying, you know that guy who drinks beer on the weekends? Yeah, he's got access to God. That girl with the tattoos, she's got access to God. That man who's been following Jesus for 45 years and prefers to read the King James Version of the Bible, he has access to God. That that lady who can only tolerate hymns during worship, Dusty, has access to God. Just kidding. The faith healer has the same access to God as the new believer. The, the kid who only wants to go to young life has the same access as the kid who only loves youth group. Uh, another way to think about this is that um, we need to devalue the things that separate us and prioritize the things that bring us together. For example, I'm a man, but I'm a Christian first, Right? I'm a Texan. I should have had that one first. But I'm a Christian first. I'm a Baylor grad, but I'm a Christian first. I have a degree, but I'm a Christian first. I'm employed, but I am a Christian first. I'm a husband, but I'm a Christian first. And so on and so on. It it doesn't matter what we use to define ourselves as long as we remember that we are first followers of Jesus. And here's the kicker. It doesn't matter what we use to identify the people around us either, as long as we understand that they are followers of Jesus first. That is their identity. And and why is this? It's because Jesus brought reconciliation to the people and to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility, their differences, Everything that differentiates us creates enmity for us. It's dead because of what Jesus did. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. This is the answer that Paul is giving us. Every person now has access to God. There is no greater race There is no greater thing at all. We are all on the same level with God. And and this is what verse 17 is really referring to, peace. Uh, That is wholeness. While this isn't the same word that the Old Testament uses as shalom, it has the very same meaning. It means completion. It means prosperity. And it means unity. Now, everyone can experience the full grace of God. It doesn't matter how near or far they are from God. Everybody has access to him. We all have differences as a church, and that's okay. We're always going to be different. In fact, in other places in Scripture, we we recognize that, that there is a celebration of difference. All races are celebrated. All denominations and differences are celebrated. But together, in unity, they are celebrated. This is what Paul is calling the church to. People have hang-ups about the church because the church can't get along with itself. 
And I don't mean necessarily just the church at large. I mean individual gatherings within. We fight and bicker because we think we're better than others. We believe that we worship the right way or we teach the right way or we create the most meaningful encounters the right way. Um, We think that we are better than the person who may be even sitting next to us in the pew. And that judgment is palpable to the people who are on the outside coming in. When they see that judgment... They are dismayed. Often I hear them say, why would I want to join a church? You know, they fight among themselves. I don't need the church. It doesn't doesn't help me. But here's the thing what Paul is saying to us is that our unity among one another, that's a result of the reconciliation that we receive because of Christ, that unity should draw people into the church. This is what it means to be a light to the nations. If we don't join together in love, then we are not demonstrating Christ. We are responsible for living in the peace that Jesus brings us. We are. In the midst of the differences, those things that we can lift up and lord over other people, in the midst of those things, we need to intentionally work for peace. Uh, in some of my previous church experiences, I didn't seek out peace. You know, I let frustration and the differences uh, create a division. In the instance of the older church, I should have been seeking out peace. I should have gone to those older folks and let their life you know, pour into me and learn from their experiences. And I too could pass back what I've learned to them. It was my responsibility as the person who found the situation difficult to work towards peace. It was my responsibility. There are people here this morning, I'm sure, who need to initiate peace. If you sense division, let me say this, then you are responsible to seek out the peace that Jesus died for in the church. One of my professors from seminary, Ben Witherington, says it this way. We are called to pursue peace with everyone and also the holiness without which none of us will see the Lord. We should view every human being as someone whom God loves and for whom Jesus died. We should do our best to love everyone and be more concerned about our own Christ-likeness than the other's perceived lack thereof. Now, I appreciate his words because they're direct, they're gentle, and they're true. They also model for us this foundation that leads to success in terms of what it means to be the church. So often I've heard people talk about not wanting to participate with the church because they can be a Christian without all the drama. And I don't I hope the church isn't noted or or recognized by the drama. I don't think it should be. But I completely disagree with the notion that we can walk out this faith journey without other believers. And I may even add to that, I think it's impossible to do without people who are unlike ourselves. The body of Christ is a beautiful mosaic. Much of the blessing that we experience within the church comes from the diversity. If God has called us to a specific body of believers, then it's our responsibility to seek the peace that Jesus preached within the body. When you withhold peace, when I withhold peace, when we withhold our gifts from the body, then we weaken the body. 
if God has called you to do something and it's not already being done in your church with peace on your heart, you should step out and lead the way. Now, I know this is a big challenge. When division happens in a church, if it's not dealt with in an appropriate way, it will lead to splinters and fracturing of the body of believers. And as we separate, we become smaller and smaller and less effective. Now, Paul closes this passage in Ephesians 2 uh, with a very profound statement about the church. And I think it's important that we end this way. Let's listen to it again. This is verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. This means that followers of Jesus, they all get to partake in the blessing of the family. No person is lesser than. No one is a servant. God is the head and we are all apart. Verse 20, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And then this is where it gets good. Verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul is referring to the body of believers as the temple of God. A lot of times we read this and we think about it on our own terms. Like, yes, I am the temple of God. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And and while that's true, it's not a complete understanding. See, we as followers of Jesus all compose the temple of God's Spirit. Together, we become this monument of God's worship. We can't do it alone. And if we're going to become the truest image of the temple, then we have to work together as a church. When one of the bricks gets out of line, we pull it back in. We help to fix the problem. And the church, this beautiful temple, stands as a beacon to the work that Jesus is doing. This is what draws people into the house of God, into the body of believers. Let me be clear. Unity Relationship, humility, peace. These things are attractive. And when someone is not following God, sees these things lived out right in front of them, then they want to be a part of that community. This is what we are called to. Because guess what? That outsider has the same opportunity for access to God as we do. This is why we have to demonstrate living life the way that God calls us to. We're not in a fight to see who's right. We're in a fight to extinguish the darkness. And we do this by living out the peace that Jesus brings to us. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we do pray that we could be the temple together, each of us, parts of the bricks and mortar that make up this monument to your worship. We pray that you would not only reside with us individually, but also in our body, that we would come together and stand as a beacon of light of truth to the rest of the world. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you because without your sacrifice, we would have no access to God, but each and every single one of us, every single one of us is on the same level because of your peace your unity, your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus and God. We are so delighted to be a part of your family, to participate with fellow believers in loving you and worshiping you and bringing your kingdom to the rest of this world. 
We pray that we would do it well. We thank you, we love you, and we pray these things in your son's wonderful and holy name. Amen. Amen. Church, let's worship God together. Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at gotoquest.org.